Welcome to season two of the Vet Visit Podcast. I'm Dr. Mike McFarland, Chief Medical Officer at Zoetis. I've been very fortunate to meet some inspiring people in my more than 35 years as a veterinarian, and I want to bring them to you as we look at the past, present, and future in the veterinary profession. In the last episode, I spoke with my friend and colleague, Dr. Eleanor Green, about some of the changes she's seen in our industry throughout her career. In part two of our discussion, we look at the future of the industry, including where we'd like to see more innovation and how the role of telehealth in human medicine will impact how we care for animals. So let's get back to our vet visit with Dr. Eleanor Green. So Eleanor, let's let's spend some time talking about one of my favorite topics, and that's this whole area of innovation and, and the constant raising of the standard of care in, in the veterinary profession. You know, at Texas A&M, uh, you started the Veterinary Innovation Summit, and, and I would say this summit rapidly became the favorite event of mine to attend every year. It's just, it was chock full of the industry's top leaders and free thinkers that uh, had a singular mission for that two or three day period of time to think about where the profession was going, how we need to evolve, and what's the next cutting edge of innovation going to look like. So so tell us a bit about why this summit uh, came to fruition and what your goals were to um, continue it. I'll start with the Association of American Veterinary Medical Colleges, and we have a January meeting every year. The speaker one year was Adam Little and Mark Stevenson, but they came and talked about some innovations and where we were going, and I was completely taken by that, and I ran up to them afterwards, and I said, you have got to come to Texas A&M and talk to our faculty. So I had him come several times to just talk about the future, this exponentially changing world and where we're going to be going to try to instill that in not only the faculty, but the staff and the students at Texas A&M. And what we wanted to do is bring these these forward thinking, challenging, inspiring people together to let our profession in on the world of change. And we did that. And it did turn out to be a very popular program. We tried very hard to keep it fresh every year and keep it stimulating. We had Daniel Kraft come once as our keynote speaker, and he was amazing, just like he always is, about where the world is going and how it's changing. So that is actually what got me started on that thinking, and that's how that program started, and it's still going on today. Uh, I hope that summit is is here to stay. I was probably one of those people that walked up to you and said it was one of the best meetings I'd ever been to. And I go to meetings for a living these days. So that's saying something. It's been very gratifying providing that summit and then focusing my professional life a lot on the future. And it's actually one of the things that led me to consult. It allowed me to focus on the things that I appreciate most and really want to focus my life on, and that's innovation and the future. So I've had an opportunity to do that, and I will commit the rest of my profession to that, to making our profession better through preparing appropriately for our future. So let's continue that thread then. Are there are there specific areas in veterinary practice that, that, that you would say are in greatest need of, of change to assure our future growth as a profession. I'm talking specifically about medical innovation uh, for the future. Digital health is 
really the future of the world today. And what we need to do in veterinary medicine is see what's going on in the human side and then extract what we want to have go on in veterinary medicine, because there's a lot out there. If you look at all the different things that are possible, it's, um, it's continuous care. It's monitored care. We have so many devices now that can really help us with our health. Our iPhone today used to be a phone. It's not anymore. You can hold it up to a device that you have on your body that can tell you what your glucose is minute by minute. And when we think about the possibilities there of continuously monitored care, we're going to be able to find out early on in a problem when there is a health risk. Another important part of, and I think this is partially related to digital health, is telemedicine. It's one very specific aspect of care that I think is very important. Uh, if you look at what's happened in human health care with telemedicine, it was the American Telemedicine Association was created probably 30 years or more ago. And then COVID hit and a lot of people got experience with that. A lot of physicians and patients got experience with telemedicine who hadn't had that experience before. We were ready. They had laid a lot of groundwork to be ready. For example, insurance companies will pay for it. So many, many different examples of of telemedicine and the human side. During COVID, not, I think 97% of physicians now use telemedicine. The approval rating for telemedicine was the highest approval rating of all different dimensions of healthcare today. Whatever you want to survey, telemedicine received the highest approval rating from patients. I think one feature and one survey result that we must think about is that 50% of the patients surveyed said they would change their long-term primary care provider if they did not provide telemedicine. we got to think about that. 50% of patients said they would change doctors if they didn't provide telemedicine. So what's going to happen there is that those patients, as far as I know, all human patients are also our clients. Our clients are all human patients, right? And so our clients are going to be going to the doctor and they're going to be willing to change their doctor who won't provide telemedicine. They also expect the care in veterinary medicine to approach what's happening in their own health care. And they're going to expect telemedicine from us as well. And they will change veterinarians who don't provide it. When it takes off, we better be ready. Another feature of telemedicine I think is enormously important is that we want to make sure that veterinarians lead this charge. And if we push back too much or if we tighten the boundaries too much around telemedicine, these animal owners are going to look outside those boundaries to get the freedom of care that they want for their animals. There are a lot of there are data out there now that say that animal owners are looking for more convenient care, wherever that might be, online, telemedicine, uh, different, different ways they can get care more conveniently. What's more convenient than telemedicine? And it's a natural connection to veterinarians themselves. We must do more of this. 
you know, the, the pandemic obviously um, had a huge impact on all of our lives. And I, I know my family's experience with telemedicine for our family's care has, has been a, a very, very positive experience over the last several months. Um, uh, Zoetis was even giving away subscriptions to telemedicine providers to make it as easy as possible for veterinarians to put their toe in the water and get started. Um, but it, it really didn't pick up uh, as much as we thought. How do you see integrating telemedicine into the veterinary prof- uh, profession going forward? What, what is it that's holding us back right now? Change is hard. If we could press a button and end up in the change that we want, change wouldn't be hard, but it's that transition period. We're asking veterinarians right now at a time when they are busiest to make a substantive change. I've heard so many times I have the interest, but not the bandwidth over and over and over. I hear that. Yes, I'd like to do that. I'm too covered up to do it today. So I think it's an interesting um complex situation that incorporates a a resistance to change with being too busy to change right now. How are we going to get that done? We're going to have to educate veterinarians about the benefits, and we're going to have to show them how. It's one of the reasons that at Texas A&M, I hired a full-time telemedicine veterinarian, the first and maybe only full-time telemedicine veterinarian in academia. The reason that I felt that was so important was that I was getting the same response from the faculty there. If we can train students how to use telemedicine, when they graduate, they can go out into practices knowing how and can really help facilitate the adoption of telemedicine in veterinary practices out there because they will know how. I just spoke at the American Association of Equine Practitioners with my friend and colleague, Richard Markell. And it was very interesting to see the dynamics among veterinarians. There was one veterinarian who had implemented it, done it very well, and had a lot of wonderful recommendations for others. There was one in particular who said, you know, we can't even get Wi-Fi where we are. My cell phone doesn't even work where I practice. I still use paper records accordingly. So we have this um, spectrum in our profession of those who use paper records and can't get Wi-Fi and their phone doesn't work, all the way to very sophisticated practices that are doing a great job implementing telemedicine. And we need to help all in between. I think veterinarians right now are busier than they've been in decades, you know, uh, because of or uh the pandemic, certainly the pandemic is contributing to that, right? And we've we've always known, I knew as a practitioner and I know now as, as a tech services veterinarian that you just, it's hard to um, integrate change. It's hard to accept new standards of care or new technologies when your practice is just extremely busy. And so that resistance to change is only going to be heightened uh, by just the pace of veterinary practice right now? You know, I'm not practicing anymore. And so I don't speak out of my personal experience with telemedicine, but I do talk to a lot of veterinarians. I actually called a really good friend of mine. I asked them about telemedicine because I noticed on their website that they had it. And so I asked her her experiences. She said that she started telemedicine before COVID. She didn't wait till COVID. 
she's had to tweak things every year or over time for the last year or two. So when I asked her, what was the experience of her veterinarians, just like what was the experience of physicians when, when they were using telemedicine? And the veterinarian acceptance rate was, and their experience was, they were very reluctant to start. The practice made it very easy for them to adopt it, as easy as possible. And once they did it, they said, you know, that's not that hard. And they really liked it. So how did her clients accept it? And she said, that was a no-brainer. They were very easily persuaded, even their regular clients. And they, um, they used their office staff quite a bit and to help them. And so I think, that, you know, we can talk about another issue in the profession, and that's better utilization of veterinary nurses and technicians. And here's a wonderful way to use them at the top of their license is through telemedicine. In fact, there are some practices that offer telemedicine appointments through their technicians. And so I think it's pretty much you could just lift it and lay it down on top of the experience in human medicine. We're just not there yet. And I, I'm curious about why that veterinarians chose the drive through the curbside instead of telemedicine. But I think the clients will like telemedicine. Yeah, I do too. And I think at the end of the day, it was it was a quick uh, easy fix for for what they were dealing with at the time, and it was uh, it was the easier route to take than uh, bringing in a, a new technology that they didn't have experience with. I think those that dabbled in telemedicine prior to the pandemic really um, started to soar, you know, during the pandemic when it became a, a lot more accepted in their minds. Of course, there's. There's also a lot of new companies now that are coming into this space, and there's been a lot of discussion recently about the potential impact that these companies are going to have on the veterinary client relationship, how we define it from a regulatory sense. So do you think um, that, that regulations defining the veterinary client-patient relationship are going to evolve or need to evolve in, in the near future? I would say right up front that not every case is appropriate for a virtual VCPR or veterinary client-patient relationship. I think there's a handful of cases where it is appropriate. And if we're going to provide access to care for those who need access to care, another great big problem in our, in our um, profession today, we don't need to prevent veterinarians from establishing a virtual VCPR. My opinion is this is judgment of the veterinarian and the veterinarian should know when it's appropriate and when it isn't. But if we have laws that say you absolutely cannot do that, that's gonna be confining for veterinarians. And quite frankly, my concern is that then we said how clients are gonna get what they want. I think clients may jump over the veterinarian and get their care in a more convenient way that doesn't include us if we don't make the care we provide convenient for the clients the way they want it. This is especially true of younger clients today. They're digital natives. They want technology. They're not going to go to a clinic every single time. And so we've got to um, look to the future, too. 
good points, Eleanor. We'll, we'll be watching um, this very carefully over the next few months. As, as you stated, the industry is debating this actively um, and where it's going to be headed in, in the future. Eleanor, obviously, um, uh, our evolution as a profession and, and how it uh, adapts to and adopts technology is going to be critically important going forward. Any, any closing thoughts about this space in general, technology? We've talked about digital health and we've talked about telemedicine and that's all. There is actually uh, an unbelievable amount of new technologies that are going to influence our, our profession. One of them being 5G that's going to allow our phone to do much more than it does. Big data, cloud computing, we're, we're going to employ that in our practices. It's going to be able to keep our medical records and give us unbelievable uh, potential in data, data access, data assessment and data application. And that leads right into artificial intelligence and deep learning as subject unto itself. But we're going to be employing that, in fact, already are in diagnosis of some diseases that's that's here already. Uh, there are point of care diagnostics that are becoming increasingly important in the human side and increasingly important for us. Now, for the veterinary profession, the point of care diagnostics is really mainly at the veterinarian's office, but that is also going to extend out to the client's location as well. Uh, genomics, robotics, 3D printing, uh, new dimensions in nutrition. It, it's uh, we're just uh, there's so many things that we can take advantage of if we just will. Can't wait. Those are certainly some great topics for future discussions. Thanks again, Eleanor, for taking so much time with me over the last two episodes. Mike, I always enjoy talking with you about the profession that we both love so much. And in closing, I'd really like to congratulate you and Zoetis for the myriad of awards you have received recently for diversity equity, inclusion, and sustainability. All very important challenges in our profession and you're tackling them and you're being awarded for them. Congratulations. Thank you, Eleanor, for those very kind words. I'll be back next episode to kick off another two-parter, this time around chronic pain in our pets, one of the more important topics in veterinary medicine today. At Zoetis, our purpose is to nurture our world and humankind by advancing care for animals. I'm Dr. Mike McFarlane. I hope you'll join me at the next vet visit.